We live on a very cloudy planet right now, as I'm sure you've noticed, which is rather irritating this evening. But hopefully um, I'll be able to convince you that clouds can actually be quite interesting. They're not always boring and grey like the ones that are currently sitting above Oxford. Um, I'm a planetary scientist and I study the atmospheres of other planets in and, in, in and outside our solar system. And I've ended up studying lots of planets that are cloudy and trying to determine properties of clouds on other planets um, because they seem to keep cropping up. I can't imagine why. So I thought, well, maybe I could tell you about that and explain why planets are cloudy, how clouds form and what sorts of things that we see. So these are the planets in our solar system. I'm sure you're all fairly familiar with these. Um, the top four we call the terrestrial planets. Um, they're rocky and they're the ones that are most similar to the Earth. Um, these four are just big balls. Uh, these two are big balls of gas. These are slightly icier <coughs> big balls of gas. And apart from Mercury, which doesn't have really much of an atmosphere at all, because Mercury is a sad, pathetic little planet. It's um, quite close to the sun, or very cl much closer than anything else. So it gets very hot. It's very small. So a bit like the comet, it doesn't have very strong gravity. That means that it can't really hang on to an atmosphere. So it just kind of doesn't have one. The rest of the planets all have atmospheres. They also all have clouds, every single other planet in the solar system other than Mercury. And that's not all, actually. Some of the larger moons um, orbiting Saturn and Jupiter, for example, including Saturn's big moon, Titan, they're actually big enough to have atmospheres themselves. And they have clouds, too. So clouds, they're pretty common. We seem to see them everywhere. So how do they form? Well, on Earth, let's start with our planet, because that's the simplest one. It's the one we understand best. How do we get clouds? <laughs> Well, you basically need two things, really, to make clouds on Earth. Number one, you need some water in the atmosphere, because the clouds that we have on our planet, they're made of little droplets of water. Um, and when, they, when the droplets get too big and too heavy, they rain out, and that's when you get a really wet, miserable day. So you need water. The second thing you need is uplift. And all that basically means is that some air that's deep down in the atmosphere has to rise up. Um, why is that? Well, this, this is basically how it works. Uh, if you have an atmosphere, the stuff at the bottom is warmer, tends to also be wetter. It contains more water vapour. As you go further up, the air tends to get colder and drier. Um, and if it just stays like this, you're not going to get any clouds forming. But when the sun comes up and it heats some of the atmosphere deep down, and it heats maybe some of the atmosphere a little bit more than the atmosphere around it, then that means that a little parcel of atmosphere is going to get hot, it's going to become less dense, and that means it's going to be, it's going to be buoyant, a little bit like um, the helium in a helium balloon. The reason that helium balloons go up into the sky if you let them go is because helium is less dense than the air around it. And so that's also what happens if you warm up just a little bit of air. So when that happens, the air rises, it expands a bit, and it ends up higher up in the atmosphere. As it does this, it cools down, but the crucial thing is this bit of air is still quite a lot wetter than the surrounding air. What happens when you've got lots of air with lots and lots of water vapour in it, when it gets cooler as it goes higher up? That water doesn't want to be a gas anymore. It wants to be liquid because water vapour is just water that you've effectively boiled off. And so when it gets cold, it wants to be a liquid, and that means you get little tiny liquid droplets, and they're the things that make clouds. So that's how you can form a cloud. And this is an example of, of a cloud that's formed by this process that we call convection. 
Um, so this is a nice big thundercloud. Um, it's a very typical shape for a thundercloud. It's got this big sort of spread, it, spread out bit at the top, but it's, you can see it goes quite deep. Sometimes if you're on an aeroplane in a particularly stormy region, you can actually see these sideways on and they're really very impressive. And that's not the only way that you can get both water vapour and uplift. Also, if you have a nice mountain range and you have um, a prevailing wind that's blowing across the mountain range, then you can get the same thing happening. You have a parcel of air that starts out at the bottom of the mountain range, but because the wind is pushing it towards the mountain range, it's got nowhere else to go. All it can do is go up and you get exactly the same thing happening and you get often clouds forming just at the top of mountain ranges. And um, these, we call these lenticular clouds because of the shape that they have. And this is a really nice example. I think this is over a glacier in Iceland and you see these very different shapes. They're rather beautiful. If you just get one of those on its own, and um, they can also be referred to as UFO clouds because they look quite a lot like flying saucers and actually they're one of the things that's most responsible for UFO sightings. And also we have Oxford, um, and that was taken this morning from the top of this building, and yeah, sorry about that. Sometimes telescopes don't work on, on this planet, unfortunately. So Earth clouds, they're made of water, um, which is quite a nice simple molecule. It's an oxygen atom with a couple of hydrogen atoms, which is smaller, stuck to it. Um, that works very well on Earth with convection, and the reason for that is we've got plenty of water vapour in our atmosphere, and also the temperature is is right for water to, con to, to condense out and form those droplets as you get higher up in our atmosphere. But what about other planets? I mean, I've said there are clouds there, so what are they made of? Well, they're made of very different things. Um, so this is a, a lovely picture of Jupiter. And Jupiter also has clouds that form by a very similar process. In fact, what you're seeing when you look at the different colours on Jupiter is lots of different bands of clouds that are made of probably slightly different things, and they form those beautiful colours. Um, we don't exactly know what all of the clouds on Jupiter are made of. We know that some of the clouds on Jupiter are formed of a chemical called ammonia, uh, which condenses at much colder temperatures than water does, because Jupiter is much colder. <coughs> we think that Jupiter probably also does have some water clouds, but they're very, very, very deep down in its atmosphere. They're far too deep for us to see. But all that you're seeing here in this picture, all of this is caused by weather systems making different clouds, including this feature, the Great Red Spot, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. Um, another good example of this is Saturn. And um, so Saturn is generally much, much, a much plainer planet than Jupiter. It looks a lot more uniform, but then we've got features like this. So this was actually a storm, um, a very, very big storm on Saturn. If you think about how small the Earth is, the Earth, yeah, that's comparable in size to the whole of our planet, which shows you just how big a storm it was. And what we think happened here is that you had very, very, very strong uplift in this region that brought out a lot of bright cloud particles from the deep atmosphere that we never normally see. And that's what you get at the top here. And then as the planet rotates, the winds are quite strong at the top of the atmosphere. And so they spread this storm out. It wrapped all the way around the planet. And you can actually see the tail coming back around there. And like Jupiter, we think the kinds of clouds that form on Saturn are made of things like ammonia or a slightly weirder chemical that's called ammonium hydrosulfide. And again, probably there's a very deep water cloud that we don't see. What about planets that are more like the Earth? This is a picture of Venus. Venus is um, sort of an evil twin planet. It's um, got an atmosphere that's mostly made of carbon dioxide, a greenhouse gas. It's extremely hot and it's completely covered in cloud. So the reason this looks so nice and smooth is that you're just looking at a uniform cloud layer. There's not very much variability in this image, which is um, 
taken with visible light in the optical. What's this cloud made of? It's made of sulfuric acid. That sounds pretty weird, right? So it's made of a solution of, of some water in the droplets, but also some of these things. These are my little sketch of sulfuric acid molecules. So these are four oxygens, two hydrogens, and a sulfur atom in the middle. Now, you might think that's a bit, where, where on earth does that so much sulfur come from? And in fact, how do these things even form? How do you get these? There's actually a different process going on on Venus that's making the chemicals that form those clouds. And you can see here, this is an infrared image looking at the, the light coming from the deep atmosphere in Venus. Because Venus is so hot, you get quite a lot of infrared radiation coming from it. And these darker patches are the regions where it's more cloudy and you're blocking some of the, the light. So this brings us to a second way of forming clouds. So we call these kind of clouds photochemical clouds. And what you need here, you still only need two things, but they're slightly different things. You need an atmosphere, which basically means you need some stuff. You need some gases that can be mixed together and form more complicated molecules. And you need some light. Photons from the sun provide energy to make gases come together and form something that's more complicated. So the way this works on Venus is you have this gas, which is called sulphur dioxide, and you actually have quite a lot of that on Venus. Um, well, you also get this on Earth, but generally only in specific circumstances. You get this gas forming when you have um, some, a lot of volcanic eruption. So you would have seen SO2 coming out of Mount Pinatubo. Um, the unpronounceable volcano in Iceland will also be putting out SO2. Um, and we think that Venus, a lot of its atmosphere, might have been formed by really, really active volcanism much, much earlier in its lifetime. It might still have active volcanoes now, but we haven't yet seen them. And when this molecule is hit by some sunlight, if there are some oxygen atoms that are free for it to combine with, then it makes this gas, um, sulphur trioxide. So this is a sulphur with three oxygens now. That is very reactive. It doesn't like sitting there on its own. It likes to have friends. And it has a couple of friends to play with. There is some water vapour in Venus's atmosphere. Not as much as there is on the Earth, but some. So it likes to play with the water vapour. And when it does that, it forms this complicated molecule, sulfuric acid. And that then goes into solution with water. It sits together with some water molecules, and it forms sulfuric acid droplets in the cloud layer on Venus. So it's a very inhospitable planet for lots of reasons, including the fact that its clouds are made of acid, which would kind of you know, eat, eat you and your clothes and lots of things. Not very nice. I wouldn't go to Venus. Titan also has clouds that form in a similar kind of process. It forms because of photochemistry. Um, this is Titan. This is um, Saturn's largest moon. And you'll see it looks kind of like Venus in that image. It's got a layer of haze that completely covers it. And it's not made of sulfuric acid. This haze is made of what we call pholins. And pholins are basically hydrocarbon nitrogen gunk. They're very complicated molecules. We don't really understand how they form. In fact, people are spending their entire careers working in laboratories trying to make these synthetically to work out where they come from. But we still haven't quite got that far. We just know that they're there. OK, so these are a sort of an example of clouds in our solar system. What about outside? Well, over the last 20 years or so, we've found a lot of planets orbiting other stars way out there. Um, this is um, just a shot looking towards the galactic centre. And all of these stars, as far as we're concerned, we can't, we can't see anything of them other than just a little pinpoint of light. Even if we've got a big telescope, that's all we see. And that means that the planets that are orbiting them 
we can't actually just take a picture and say, well, here's the star, here's the planet, because the planet is so small, it gets lost in all of the light coming from the star. So the way that we find out whether or not they're there is by staring at a star and measuring the amount of light coming from the star. And sometimes, if we're lucky, the planet might pass between the star and us. And when that happens, it blocks out some of the light coming from the star. And so that's how we know that a planet might be there. And some of these exoplanets that we've found over the last few years, we've started to study and we've started to look at, and we've actually found that there's evidence that some of them are cloudy. That shouldn't really be a surprise, given that all the planets in the solar system that have atmospheres are cloudy. So what might we be able to tell about clouds on exoplanets if we can't even see the exoplanet? Well, one of the things we can do is look at the light that's reflected by the planet from its star. So if you have a star and it's shining on a planet, depending on how reflective that planet is, some of that light is going to come straight back towards the star. If you have a planet that's made of ice, which is really bright and shiny, it's going to reflect lots of light back. If you have a planet that's made of something like soot or carbon and it's black, it's going to absorb most of the light and it's not going to be very reflective. But let's assume some of that light is going to come back towards the star. But what colour is the light going to be? When we look at the sun, the sun emits all colours of visible light. We call that white light when we're looking at all the colours of the rainbow together. But if you look at the Earth, you don't see white light coming back at you, do you? You see blue where the oceans are, and you see white where the cloud tops are, because they're very reflective. And you see these sort of brownie regions. This is, this is the Sahara Desert somewhere over here. So what that tells you is that different things, different stuff, reflects different colours of light. The sea is absorbing all of the, the redder light coming from the sun. It's only reflecting back to you the blue light. That's why it looks blue. So if, for example, we have our exoplanet here and it has clouds that absorb red light and reflect back blue light, then that's what you'd see. The light that would come back towards the star would be blue. But how on earth can we see that? We can't even see the planet. Well, we can see it because sometimes, I can show you that again, if, the if we watch the planet disappear behind the star, if some light is coming from the planet that's being reflected back towards us, when it disappears behind the star, we see another dip. Because before it goes behind the star, we're seeing the starlight and the reflected light, and then when it disappears, we're only seeing the starlight. So if we split up the light into blue and red, and look at that, then if the planet is reflecting only blue light, we see totally different things. If it's only reflecting blue light, we see quite a big dip, because when it disappears, we're losing a lot of blue light. But if it's not reflecting any red light, and it's absorbing it all, we don't see a dip at all, because no, there's no more light coming out when the planet is visible than when the planet has disappeared. And we've done this measurement with the Hubble Space Telescope for an exoplanet, and this planet is called very unimaginatively, HD 189733b. It's a very hot Jupiter-sized thing. It's really close to its parent star. And we know, even though we cannot see this planet, that it is blue. If we could see it, it would look blue. And we think that that might be related to what its clouds are like. Um, because uh, we think that it may have clouds that are made of glass, silicates, little sandy things, little sandy grains, the things that you make glass out of, because this thing is so hot and so weird, it can't possibly have a cloud that's anything like what we see in the solar system. But it must have some clouds, and we know that from looking at its atmosphere like that. So 
Um, that's a quick tour through clouds of the solar system and on exoplanets, and I'll leave you with my preferred um, explanation for the presence of cloud on Venus. Thank you.